I'm excited to, to be with y'all this morning. I've been away for a couple weeks, and every time I go away, it just reminds me how grateful I am uh, for our church family, and so it's just great to be together to worship God and to hear from his word and to share at the table today. So uh, good to be back. I'm excited today, too, because we're starting a new series uh, called Essential Practices uh, for Jesus Followers, and i uh, I'm excited about this series because I think it's such a timely word. Uh, this month, we're going to focus on these essential practices. And I really think, um, you know, we're, we're always in desperate need for Jesus. Uh, but I think this year and our current circumstances, and maybe this week in particular, have highlighted just how desperately we need Jesus all the time. Uh, and so this series is really about beginning our year aware of that and really encouraging us and inviting us to come back maybe to the basics, you might say, to the essentials of what it means to follow Jesus. And so what we're going to do over the next four weeks, we're going to begin our year together uh, with these essential practices. Um, and today we're going to start with how to just be with Jesus. Uh, then we're going to talk next week about how to read the Bible, and then we're going to follow that with how to pray and how to worship. And so I'm excited to, to press into these practices. I'm also excited because we're going to hear from uh, different members of our community uh, over these four weeks. Uh, we've asked different folks to, uh, to come and to preach, uh, and in part because they have a passion for some of these particular practices. Uh, they are not experts. Uh, they'll be the first to tell you that in these practices, but they have a passion, and they have, I think, uh, a word from the Lord based on what he's revealed in his word and through their life experience that I think God is going to use to bless us as we look at these four practices. And so this morning, we're going to start uh, again with this practice of how to be with Jesus. And so I want to invite uh, our friend and brother, Derek uh, Smith, to come and just to bring God's word. So would you all welcome Derek as he comes and brings the word. All right. Happy New Year to you all. I'm grateful to be back with you again. Um, I didn't do so bad last week, so I got invited to come back again. <laughs> so we praise God for that. And I'm grateful for David and his friendship, and uh, he's a brother beloved, had a birthday not a few days ago. Amen. Amen. That's right. Hold on to it, brother. Amen. Hold on to it. So... Our, our series, The Essential Practices of Jesus Followers. Let's dig in. But before, let's go to, let's, before we get uh, uh, to the book, let's talk to the author of the book. Let's pray. Lord, how we bless you and honor you. We, we just glorify your name because you are great. And you're greatly to be praised. We've searched all over. We've tried so many things. Things we had no business trying. And we found nothing and no one like you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and inviting us to follow you in discipleship. We glorify your name. Speak to our hearts. Um, we, need, we need to hear from you. We and we want to be transformed by what we hear. 
We don't want to just be consumers. We don't want to walk out of here saying, I enjoyed the message. No, we want to be changed. We need to be changed. Meet us where we are and take us to where you want us to be. Make us more like Jesus Christ. We ask it in his strong name. Amen. So the text has been read for you, Exodus chapter number uh, 20. And, 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 so, and so that's what I want to talk about, how to spend time with God. How to spend time with God. So I want to tell you why, and then I'll tell you how. In his book, A, a Hidden Wholeness, Parker Palmer relates a story about farmers in the Midwest who would prepare for blizzards by tying a rope from the back door of their house out to the barn as a guide to ensure that they could return home safely. These blizzards came quickly and fiercely and were highly dangerous. And when their full force was blowing, a farmer could not see the end of his or her Hand. Many froze to death in those blizzards, disoriented by their inability to see. They wandered in circles, lost sometimes in their own backyards. If they lost their grip on the rope, it became impossible for them to find their way home. Some froze within feet of their own front door, never realizing how close they were to safety. To this day, in parts of Canada and the Great Plains, meteorologists counsel people that to avoid getting lost in the blinding snow when they venture outside, they tie one end of a long rope to their house and grasp the other end firmly. This is us. We live in blizzards of busyness, preoccupations, schedules, commutes, deadlines, meetings. There is picking up and dropping off, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or whether you work outside of the home. The demands are still the same. If you're retired, if you daydream about retirement, the demands are still the same. Time is always snapping its finger, reminding you of how much of it you have left or how much of it you don't have. Isn't that right? There never seems to be enough time to do all the things we have to do. There's always extraordinarily little margin. We're, we, we are in a blizzard. We're in a blizzard. And blizzards, uh, Peter Scazzaro says, blizzards begin when we say yes to too many things. And we need a rope to lead us home. And that's what God is offering us, a rope to keep us from getting lost. 
We need one. But, but, but the good news is you and I don't have to look far to learn how to spend time with God. We can learn from God's chosen people, Israel, right here in Exodus chapter 20. Israel had lived as slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. You know the story. And, and, and they worked every day, all day, every day. They never had a day off. What does God do? God graciously delivers them from bondage and slavery to Pharaoh and the Egyptians through his servant Moses. And then watch what God does. He gives people who never had a day off full permission to rest. Imagine that. 400 years, they never had a day off. They worked every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They never had a day off. God delivers them. God rescues them. God saves them. And he gives them the gift of rest. That's how this passage begins. He says in verse number eight, the commandment begins with the word remember. But let me point out here that remember is more than a mental word in the Bible. It means to recollect and put into practice. Remember, God is God and you are not. I think that's that I, I've been toying. I'm a one point preacher. I only have one point. I have sub sub points, but I only have one main point. And I've been toying. What's the point that, I, that, that they can live with this week? They can they can write it down. They can put it on the refrigerator. We, we, we stop. We rest. We we spend time with God to remember this one thing that God is God. And we are not. How do, I, how, how do I spend time with God? Peter Scazzaro helps me with this in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. My copy is so old. He, it's been revised. He's added and changed. So I won't show you mine, but you can Google it. Go to Amazon, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he suggests some practices that I want to share with you. And the first one is stopping. Because the word Sabbath means to cease. The Sabbath is the day when a person suspends or ceases his or her normal routine. Listen, listen at this. Sabbath was a sign that God would take care of his people if they learned to trust him. You hear that? It, I stop because it reminds me that God is fully and completely in control and I don't have to be everywhere. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to say yes to everything. I don't have to check everything off on my list. It reminds me that God is fully and completely in control and I am not. And I can stop. And the world is going to continue going on. Don't you ever want to just stop? 
I mean, turn off the radio, talk radio, turn off CNN, turn off Fox, turn off MSNBC or whatever you listen to. You, you just want to stop. No noise. Stop. And be still. And remember that God created me for his glory to know him. I don't have to do it all. I don't have to be all things to all people. We need to learn how to stop. We need to learn how to say no. It reminds us that, 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 that I'm not Holy Ghost Junior. I need to learn how to stop. My, my, I've been have, before school started this past week, we've been having our daughter to read two books and a poem every day. Before, before we went back to school. And so one day she read a book uh, in, in, um, entitled uh, Lucy Walker, Nonstop Talker. <laughs> and so every day, uh, Vaughn, after she read in the morning, I would say, now I want you to come back and I want you to tell us what you read. See, see. I was, going to be an English, I was going to be an elementary ed major, but it didn't work out. Uh, I chose something else instead. And, and so I wanted to know, you're reading, and are you comprehending what you read? So she came back, and I said, she started telling me about this book, and she told me that Lucy Walker was a nonstop talker, and she was always talking, and, and, and then she lost her voice and could not talk. And she was... One of the, some of the things that happened when she lost her voice was uh, she was able, uh, she made a gold star on a test. She'd never done that before. Secondly, her dad was able to read two and a half books to her before bed because, remember, she has no voice. So, she fell asleep listening to her dad, and he was able to get to, through not one book, not two books, two and a half books, because Lucy <laughs> lost her voice. She was able to listen to her friends because she lost her voice. Now, I'm not saying you need to lose your voice, but God has given you the grace to turn it down. Stop. Listen. It, 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 it's stopping. Sabbath is a sign that God can take care of his people. Stopping means I give up control and trust God to run his world without me. Because there are a lot of do-it-yourself Christians in here. You might be one of them. Stop. Not only do we stop, secondly, we practice silence and solitude. We live in a noisy world full of distractions. And let me tell you something. Most of the distractions for me are not outside, they're up here. 
Sometimes I can't turn off my mind. I'm thinking, I'm overthinking, I'm overanalyzing. My brain is always clicking, clicking. I go to bed sleepy and I wake up tired because I have not gotten relaxed and calmed down and received and experienced God's peace, that, which is an alien peace, which comes from the outside, which is the fruit of the spirit. It's, it, it, this is a peace that comes from out of town. This is a peace that it, it doesn't matter What's going on outside of me? This is a peace that I receive by virtue of having the presence of God's Holy Spirit living within me. And so, so the, 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 the noise for you may not always be children. It may not always be spouse. It may not always be television or radio. Sometimes the noise is the noise that's going on inside of our hearts and minds. I believe we may be afraid of the silence. I really do. I, I believe some of us cannot handle silence. I know people who the first thing they do when they get up in the morning, they turn on the radio or turn on the television. For, for me, I'm a morning person, but the last thing I want is to hear the television or the radio in the morning when I wake up. I don't want to hear that. I need silence. I believe that's sometimes dangerous because we begin to begin influence, to begin to be influenced by the wrong people, wrong things, and wrong ideas. We need to learn silence and solitude. Dallas Willard called silence and solitude the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. Solitude is the practice of being absent from people and things to attend to God. I make sure I engage scripture every day. I make sure that I have some exposure to God's word. I, 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 you, you, most of your phones are hooked to your uh, radio in the car, your sound system in the car. So I go to BibleGateway.com and I listen to scripture read in my hearing while I'm negotiating through the satanic streets of Houston. Because nothing tests your inner gangster like the drivers in Houston. Amen, somebody. I want to get God's word in me because I know my mind and I know my heart can wonder. And I need the word of God. So when I get out of the car, I don't know what I'm confronting. I don't know what I'm going to be dealing with or who I'm going to be dealing with. And if I don't have God's word in my heart and mind, I won't be able to handle or cope or I won't react in the right way. I need to attend to the things of God. If you're a teacher, if you're retired, no matter what your vocation or occupation is, if you are going to be who and what God has called you to be, you're going to have to get away and be with God. Jesus constantly did it. He, he, he could hardly get away because the multitudes would follow him. It's like, it's like moms going to the bathroom. You can't go because thing one and thing two are knocking at the door. You don't know anything about that, I tell you. <laughs> Solitude. 
But, but, but have that relationship with your spouse or with some family member where, where, where you two can help each other and, and, and practice this spiritual discipline of getting to myself and being still where, where I can hear from heaven. Solitude. Attend to God. And silence is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. Henri Nguyen said that without solitude, it is almost impossible to live a spiritual life. We need to hear from heaven. We need to be still. Amen. First Kings 19, you remember the story of Elijah he went through a, he, he had a, a season of testing and trial. He, he even wanted to commit suicide after dealing with uh, Jezebel and Ahab. And, 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 and he was just overwhelmed and God began to speak to him. First came wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire. <laughs> but God wasn't in the fire. Then a small whisper. He was able to hear God. There's a lot going on in our culture. There's a lot going on in our country. You need to be still. You follower of Jesus Christ need to be still. Be quiet. Hear what God has to say. We've got to practice silence and solitude. But, but, but thirdly, we immerse ourselves in Scripture. Article 6 in the 39 Articles of Religion, which talk about the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for salvation. Here's what, here's what the 39 Articles, Article 6 says. Holy Scriptures, the Old and the New Testament, contain all things necessary to salvation. There is no way. It is completely impossible to know God. I'm not talking about know of God. I'm talking about know, to know God. It's impossible to know God and his plan and his purpose for your life without immersing yourself in his word. It's not even possible. I hear, I hear people all the time, all ages, I just want to know what God's plan is for my life. I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I know one thing when I hear that comment, most of the time, nine out of times out of ten, is you have not been spending time in God's word and you have not been spend time, spending time in prayer. It's as simple as that. This is not complicated. Christianity is not complicated. Now, it may be convenient living in this culture, inconvenient living in this culture, but I tell you what, it ain't complicated. It's as simple as that. When I pray, I pray the scripture. That's how I pray. When I teach people how to pray, I tell them, for example, go to Psalm 23. Let's pray that. Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for leading and guiding and providing and directing and correcting and protecting me. 
Thank you, oh, oh, oh God, for always knowing what I need before I need it. Forgive me for being a disobedient, rebellious, selfish, self-centered sheep. That's how I pray. I pray scripture. I get in the word. I know God's purpose for my life. I understand what seasons that I'm in. Sometimes I'm in a season where I'm, I'm on and popping. And then I'm in a season where I, I feel like I can't get a prayer to ricochet off the ceiling. Because God is trying to teach me how to trust him. And my trust in him is not based on how I feel, but on the integrity of his word. You got to immerse yourself in the word of God. It, it, this, is, this is good stuff. It, 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 I, I, I know God. I spend time with God by stopping, by practicing silence and solitude, and by immersing myself in God's word. That's how you spend time with God. And let, let, me, let me tell you something. You're going to have to make it happen. This is, this is what uh, John Mark Comer and, 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 and uh, Apostles Houston and, and Christ Central Church calls being with God. Being with Jesus. I, I, I don't want you to miss this because when I, this morning I get up, I pray and kind of think through things. And you always, you're almost, almost editing your sermon until you get up to preach it. And one thing came to mind as I was working on this message in my heart and mind is the disciples were in the boat with Jesus when the storm came upon them. Jesus is asleep on the back of the boat on a pillow. He's tired. He's been preaching and serving people all day long. And, and Jesus gets up and and, and commands the wind to cease and the water to lay down. Now, these disciples, these apostles have been with Jesus since the beginning of his ministry. And after Jesus calms the storm and commands the waters to lay down by saying these words, peace be still. Afterwards, at the end of that narrative, it, the, the disciple says, who is this man? Here it is. They had been with Jesus, but they did not know him. I thought about that in my own life, and I began to pray, Lord, I don't want to just know of you. I don't want to preach all these years and compel men, women, and children to follow you in discipleship, to be with you, to become like you, to do what you did, and then I don't know you. You can be with Jesus and not know him. These practices bring us closer to Jesus Christ. And we will only be transformed by God's spirit when we practice intimacy, fellowship, and communion. And this is how we abide in Jesus Christ. This is how our lives produce spiritual fruit. And the proof that we have the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the proof that I have God living on the inside of me. And let me tell you something. That is tested for me mostly at home. Because, because of my personality type. I'm a strong personality type. I'm a results-oriented guy. I'm a pro, I'm, I think in uh, a processes, and it has to be logical and rational to, for me. My wife ain't like that. We're different. And I read a long time ago that says, if both of you are alike, one of you is useless. And my wife always points to me. Am I allowing God to love my wife through me? Am I allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to love my daughter through me? Am I patient or am I irritable, which is a control issue? Am I kind? Am I allowing God to be kind through me? Am I faithful? Do I know how to be gentle? And here's another one, self-control, the ability to hold the reins. This is what it means to be with Jesus. That's the result of being with Jesus. When you practice that time of stopping, of silence and solitude, when you get in God's word and God's word gets in you, because that's what happens, God's word gets in you, you begin to produce Fruit, are you producing fruit? This, this, this passage in, 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 in Exodus is the longest and most detailed of the commandments. But it, but, but, but it is not in a negative, it's in a positive. God says, listen, I, I'm inviting you. Remember me. Remember who I am. Remember that I am God and you are not. And Jesus continues to do that. He says from our gospel, come to me. That's an invitation for you. All who labor and are heavy laden, and Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul because your soul is tired. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is how you spend time with Jesus. This is what happens when you spend time with Jesus. It changes you. Kevin DeYoung said, Jesus showed us the fullest and deepest meaning of the Sabbath. Namely, that we should trust God to be our provider, sustainer, deliverer, and Savior. We trust in Christ. We believe in Christ and we rely on Christ instead of our own strength. I want you to remember you have total and complete and direct access into the very presence of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. 
That's what happens in Mark chapter 15. Remember when that curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom in, b- before Christ, the, only the high priest could go into the most holy place. But now you and I, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, you and I have complete and total and full access to God. So the Hebrew writer says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Come boldly. Come with confidence. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's what happens when you spend time with God. What if you redesigned your life, your schedule, to pause throughout the day to be with Jesus? Not just in the morning, not just at night. What if you stopped periodically throughout the day? You stopped you, you had a time of silence and solitude, and you immersed yourself in Scripture. Now, I'm not talking about just another duty. I'm talking about stepping away periodically, planning this, organizing your day throughout the day to remind yourself that you live in two places at once. In the world and in God's presence. Imagine how this could affect your thinking and your thoughts. Imagine how this would affect your mood. Imagine how this would affect your emotions. Think about how doing this, being with God, not just in the morning, because after a while in the morning we have a spiritual time, a spiritual formation, a time of spiritual formation, and then we get to work or we get to school, and, and then we, we, we are overwhelmed and we revert back to habits and behaviors. But imagine throughout the day, two, three times a day, that you steal away to be with God to remind yourself that God is God and I am not and I live in two worlds in this fallen world but I also live Coram Deo. I live in God's presence. Think about how this would affect the way you interacted with and reacted to other people. Because Spending time with God reminds us that God is God and we are not. But that he can be trusted when I stop, when I'm still and silent, when I get in his word, I'm reminded of that truth, that unchanging truth. That old spiritual, he's got the whole world in his hands. My struggles, my fears, my insecurities. And he can be trusted. God is God. That's what I need to remember. And I'm not God. And God can be trusted. Let's pray.